Hello and welcome to Carry On Streaming, a podcast in which I, Jeremy Lim, watch all the Carry On films in order and analyse them in detail, so you don't have to. I don't have to either, but I've got literally nothing else to do. But luckily I don't do it alone, no by criminals I don't. Each episode I'm joined by a very special one of probably about two people. This week it's Mr Paul Litchfield. Paul, how are you doing? I'm very well, Jeremy. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me back on Carry On Streaming. This well, is the third Carry On we're now Third one we're now going to be talking about. This is Carry On Vet um, from 1960. 1960, is that yes, right? That's right. The first, the first of two in 1960, vet. but uh, this is the one we're talking about today. Actually, before we um, dive into it, <clears throat> just a bit of housekeeping from the last episode. Um, right. Remember we were talking about the Carry On fonts. Do you remember that? Yes. Um, so um, the original carry-on font I found out, I did a bit of research, was actually four gothic with, ah. a, with a little bit of slight kerning. Um, but with ah. carry-on renting in 1964, it changed to the more famous one, which was Bawdy Sands Knickers. So, right. um, so that's the one everyone, I think that's the one we all associate with, with carry-on. That's um, the one that I've got tattooed on my chest. Well, exactly, the one with the sort of bulging... Yeah. Saucy letters, yeah. saucy lettering. Yeah. And one other thing, we were talking about Gerald Thomas having electroconvulsive treatment. Um, now, this was not related to all those crash zooms into groins and backsides that were such a feature of Carry On Milkman. Um, I found out it wasn't that at all. It was purely routine procedure to remove a Veruca. So it wasn't, it wasn't connected at all. There you go. Well, I'm very glad we got that cleared Well, I, you know, you don't want to libel the dead. No, no, no. I mean, no. you can't, but you don't want to. Anyway, so carry on, vet. So, what did we make of it? Yes. Well, um, I, 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 I really enjoyed it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. Um, and I think it it slots very nicely into the carry on trope. Um, it's not become as bawdy as we maybe know the carry on films. Maybe towards the tail end of the sixties, seventies. Yeah. No, it's it's not quite there yet. It's not quite there. A lot of the stuff in this that is bawdy and slightly rude or alluding to um, genitalia or naughty bits, etc., mm. is, is, is actually always animals. Which I know. It's slightly uncomfortable sometimes. It, it is. I mean, there's there's a couple of stories attached to that, which we'll probably come on to. I mean, it, right. it could be to do with the fact this is initially a script by Nigel Neal. Um, who's, oh, really? Yes, which is quite surprising, I guess, because he's known for his you know sci- sci-fi horror yes. stories. But, um, but this is a rare foray into comedy for him. Um, it was, in fact, this is the only Carry On film that was also released in America. Um, oh, really? But it, with a different title, it was called "The Terrifying Dog." Um, right. But okay. um, but Nigel Neal, who was a notoriously grumpy fella, was so annoyed about yes. the script being tinkered with um, that he actually took his name off the whole project. And uh, but he didn't just take his name off the project; he put it on the toilet door. So oh, no. yeah, so his name is still to this day. The toilets in at Pinewood Studios are. Ladies and Nigel Neals, so right. So that uh, so that's what he was what, a notorious curmudgeon, wasn't he? He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently, still at Pinewood, they say um, just pop into the Nigels, and uh, that's that's where that dates right. from, apparently. Uh, but yes, Good I course. mean, I don't think much of his original screenplay survives because it was more sort of horror based. Um, Right, and a lot of it was hand drawn as well, which is yes. Well, he well he 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 tended to storyboard as he was writing the scripts, and so he'd he'd, um, do these really disturbing drawings 
Um, yeah. And, and he often used to sort of draw himself reacting to what he was writing, which I think then led to confusion. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. draw himself looking astonished. Yeah, and when he'd um, write a joke, which was rare, he'd write, he'd write ha, ha, ha in big letters next to it. Um, yes. And then yes, a speech which, bubble coming out of himself laughing at it well yeah and then sometimes there'd be another he'd draw a picture of himself telling himself to shut up and then exactly yeah you'd have sometimes have 13 14 pages of this sort of argument i know himself seeded into the script exactly and and it was it was very difficult to make it through one of his scripts i mean they tend to be like 50 pages long just for five minutes because of these these baroque crenellations that he gets himself into Um, i I seem to remember actually there's a diary entry of kenneth williams um uh, an early diary entry when he's talking about this film and he does mention that uh, the latest script has arrived Mm. he does mention carry on vet and he said it had to be delivered by pickfords i mean luckily a lot of that got cut in fact this is one of the shorter films ironically yes Um, it is actually isn't it yeah it runs at a what is it exactly you probably know well it's less than an hour it's like 50 minutes or something like that. I mean, yeah, 51 mins, including opening titles. Yeah. It's not very long at all. I mean, that, there is a reason for that. I don't know if you know about this. Do you know that there was a cancelled subplot? Um, oh, is this the Skiffle Band thing? That's right, yes. It was Bernard Cribbins was originally Cribbins, in it. Yeah. He's not in it at all now, but he was originally... Yeah, he, was, he had a Skiffle Band, apparently. I can't remember right. what it was called. Benny and the Lemons or something. Um, right. But one of the Skiffle songs he sang in the film heavily implied that um, Harold Macmillan's wife Dorothy was a bit too close to her dog. Oh, what, uh, the little uh, the little Shih Tzu, Paddy? Exactly, yeah, 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 Paddy, that's oh, right. Dear. I know, and so... Um, so they cut Cribbo entirely, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly, yeah, and um, no one knows where any of that footage is. There's a rumour that it was chucked into the uh, into the building of the M6, so um right so if you want to dig well, up the M6 you may get to the bottom of it but uh, I'm sure there's one episode of the mini pops where one of the kids actually does the song that Cribbo did in the skiffle band Oh really um, Yeah um but um I don't try and find it No I, I think if you try and find any episode of mini pops you immediately go onto a register don't you so I think so yeah it's there, just not there, worth there'll it. be a knock at the door if you if Exactly you, yeah yeah dwell too deep Well what I really like about this particular film is this is the first appearance of uh, Bernie Breslau. That's right, yes. And there are a couple of yes. firsts in this, but Bernie Breslau. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's unrecognisable for a lot of it because he's actually acting a gorilla, isn't he? He's a gorilla, yeah, and he doesn't actually speak at no. all. He, he, um, he, he does some guttural sort of, ooh, occasionally. Yeah. And you can sort of hear it's him. Where, yeah. There's a bit, obviously, where he's dressed up in frilly knickers and a bra. Oh, yeah. And obviously he's, ooh, ooh, ooh. And that is part of, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead particularly, but uh, there's a sort of subplot about Hattie Jakes, who wants all the animals to wear underwear because she thinks it's lewd that they're all poncing around in the nude. Yes, she's very she's very pious and she runs she sort of runs like a local zoo and she gets all the vets to come around and sort yeah. of um, dress up the animals. Yeah, exactly, um, yeah. <clears throat> which is very, there's a very weird scene where they're trying to put um, a, um, a bikini on a chameleon. Yes, it's just far too small, and it just doesn't quite work. And um, no, but obviously, a horse in frilly knickers, you know, bloomers—that's wonderful. Yeah, 
that's all fine. But the smaller animals just didn't quite. I know, and and they do this weird thing where when an animal has to interact with the cast, they they mm. they intercut it with a human dressed up as the animal. I mean, Bernard Breslau yes. is always the gorilla, but I mean, they do that with all the others as well, with varying degrees of success. I think it's fair to say. Yes, it's all it's all a bit sort of Doctor Doolittle, <clears throat> yeah, isn't it? A lot of animals giving a lot of exposition. They do subtitles occasionally, of course. Because um, yeah. there's a subplot about Kenneth Connor thinking that he can understand the animals and trying to talk to them in their own language. But, he, but he gets it all wrong. He gets it all wrong. The subtitles reveal that he's saying stupid things to the animals, you know. Yeah, well, he gets slapped by a shy horse, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Which is, uh, it's quite... Shy horse, how dare you yeah. slap? With, with huge hoof, just huge right hoof. In the I know, face. yeah, but it does a slapping noise. If it did that in real life, you know, oh, knock your head off, knock your head, knock your head clean off, I guess, clean off, I think. But it's not. So I mean, it's hardly, it's hardly realistic film, though. I mean, Carry On never is, but no. this is particularly cartoonish, isn't it? <coughs> well, well, the plot is very thin on the ground, isn't it? I mean, it's basically there's a there's a sort of school of vets. Yes, I mean, and, it's um, yeah, it's 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 almost like a, a hospital setup because they're yes, all working almost, in. A, it's run like a hospital because they yeah. have ambulances, Nina, Nina, yeah. and then they open up, and then there's a parrot strapped onto a going Nina, Nina, know, yeah. Going Nina Nina, well, that's one of the jokes, yeah. Um, uh, and so the idea is this, this: it's almost like an emergency ward for sick animals. Yes. Um, Hattie wants to run it um, like a petting zoo, and she wants everyone fully clothed at all times. That's right, yes. Um, so, I mean, there's a- we start off, just to explain to people who haven't seen it, it starts off with, it's Valentine Dial who has been running this yes. uh, practice, and he's resigning. Yes. And that's the first, yeah. um, <clears throat> that's the first scene, essentially. And he's sort of Absolutely. addressing all his staff and all the animals. They, they give him a nice big send off, and uh, and he's replaced by Kenneth Williams, who's um, fresh from Whipsnade, I think. And he's yes, got all right. these all these new ideas for how to treat animals. Yes, he's um, he wants to sort of treat them. Uh, I, there's almost like a sort of new agey element to him. He wants to sort of um, work in hypnotism and color therapy and things like that for the yes. animals. So there's a lovely scene. I mean, it is quite funny. It's just from the camera shot where you you hear someone talking about their inner turmoils, and then the camera slowly reveals that laying on a couch is a, is is a huge giraffe. Yeah, exactly. And you've got Ken Ken listening. Yes. And then, of course, it ends when he just goes, I'll wind your neck in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. that. That's that gag, um, which is, you know, that's that's fine by me. Um, it's just uh, and it's a real giraffe. I, I know that. Well, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but on the credits, the, David Attenborough was actually a consultant. In this. Yes, I heard about that. I heard that they initially were going to go with Johnny Morris, but yeah. apparently he, he was far too pricey. Yes, um, was, and also he had this annoying habit of narrating what was happening, even during meetings, apparently. He, oh, really? Yes, he'd say, oh, and, the, and the zookeeper comes and sits down and, and has a little chat with them. And, uh, oh, so he's saying everything. He's saying everything that's happening. And te- right. takes a drink, drink of water. He's a little bit nervous, but uh, that's oh, sort look, of... Oh, look, he's mopping his brow. Oh, and there's exactly, a dog yeah. outside having a shit. Plop, plop, plop on the floor it goes. Someone left to clean it. Oh, I'm cleaning it now. Yeah, yes, that sort of yeah. thing, and and that didn't go down well because I mean I think the point about the Carry On production team is that they were quite strict in their sort of comedy rules, if you know what I mean. Yes, and yes. Even back then, they had a they had very much a list of do's and don'ts, didn't they? They did. In fact, I don't know if you <clears throat> know about this, but uh, because there's starting to be a core of Carry On actors around this time, aren't there? Yes, because you got Hattie Jakes, you got um, Kenneth Williams, Kenneth Connor. Yeah. Uh, Jones Sims, Charles Hawtrey, Terry Scott uh, appears yeah. in this as well. 
Um, and in fact, there was a letter, I don't know if you've seen this letter, from Norman Hudis to producer Peter Rogers around this time. Right. Because um, obviously between films, the cast were all off, off doing other things, like Kenneth Williams was in Hot Assholes, as we talked about last time. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, and uh, th- that, so sometimes they wouldn't be available for shooting, and uh, Norman Hudis asked Peter Rogers if there was any way of actually imprisoning them. Oh, I see. So in between shoots, literally. Yeah, so they co- couldn't go out. Them. Exactly, yeah. And he was wondering if there was any legal standpoint <coughs> for this, and obviously there wasn't, but um, Gerald Thomas put this into action. Um, right. With Terence Longdon, do you remember he was in the last f- film or two? Right, okay. He wouldn't have enjoyed that at all. But the trouble is he wasn't that successful a member of the cast anyway, so Gerald Thomas sort of forgot about him and Terence Longdon ended up just being in house arrest for 14 years. Right, So that Didn't they eventually find him, he'd, he'd actually hung himself? Sadly, yes. But uh, that explains why he plays no farther, further part in, in the carry-on canon. That is sad. It is very yeah, sad. Yeah, very sad. Especially because he was the only one who was actually going along with the imprisonment idea. And he's the one, ironically, who then never appears in it again. He just didn't know. Yeah, um, he didn't know a thing about it. Good um, Lord, that's I a shame. Know, it is a shame. But there was another reason for this being mooted around this time. is because, obviously, apart from Hot Assholes, which mm. was Kenneth Williams's, um extracurricular gig, Joan Sims was also around this time. She was appearing in, I think it was a Harold Pinter play. Do you know oh, about this? Uh, th- yes, I think so. The Barnacle, I think it was. The Barnacle, that's right. That's she, right. She, she, she plays a limpet on a rock. And yeah. um, I think it was Anthony Newley who played um, a lobster trapped in a pot. That's exactly right. sort of emotional discourse as the waves crash in. Yeah. It's the only stage production which apparently they used to throw actual buckets of water over the audience, you know, see. Yes, Exactly, yeah. And they had to bring it all in from uh, Leon Sea every day in yeah. Murray, all these buckets of seawater. But anyway, this is she was commuting from the Arts Theatre to Pinewood during the play's run, apparently. Oh, I see. So she's, she's, good she's, Lord. That's why she's sort of visibly out of breath in some scenes, because she's literally just run in. Well, that also explains why she's dressed as a limpet. Well, exactly. You think it's something to do with the veterinary? Yeah, because I genuinely thought maybe that's part of the plot to do with animals, etc. But no, apparently it's the costume that she was wearing from the barnacle. She didn't have time to take it off, and I presume they just when she turned up on set, they went, "Oh, that's perfect, Joan. On, on, on you know, on you go." Yeah, exactly. Good lord. Um, what, what I do like is I um, it, you get a very beautiful Valerie Leon who um, she's she's um, she plays Kenneth Williams' daughter who's just returned from France. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. Um, first of all, I thought she was a French schoolgirl, but apparently she's she's just putting it on. Yes. Um, but there's a lovely subplot where she, she has very inadvertently bought rabies. Um, that's right. Yes, this whole rabies into plot. the whole vet centre, which is why. Um, you've got the character played um, uh, by who plays the um, uh, terrible the guy who just constantly wants to put the animals down and then eat them. Uh, Terry oh, Scott. It's Terry, Scott, Terry Scott, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, this sort of really venal vet, isn't he? Yeah, sort of just literally sort of like obviously it's black and white, but he's got these. You can tell he's got these sort of red rimmed, angry eyes, bloodshot, and he just goes around injecting animals. And then the next time you see him, he's got like a sort of six foot, you know, baguette, yeah. and you can clearly see a fin sticking it's, out. It's, of one it's, end. Yeah, and it cuts from him sort of like looking at a sickly cow, and it just cuts straight to him tucking into a steak at one yeah, point. Yeah, massive it? steak. Yeah, I can't remember who it is, but someone says, well, "What do you recommend for treating my uh, my rabbit?" And he says, "Oh, mint sauce." That's right. No, and, then nice. he, and, then, and then he bites its head off. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's off screen, but there's a nasty sound effect, isn't there? Yeah, and I think it's Shirley Eaton, isn't it? And she, and she, oh, she yes. just screams. 
Well, we should talk a bit more about the plot, maybe, because... Um, OK, yeah. So, talking of Charlie Eaton, she has this on-again, off-again sort of romance with Leslie Phillips. Yes. Who's um, acting as... He's a sort of inspector. It's slightly woolly, isn't it? He, he turns up uh, quite near the beginning, just after Kenneth Williams has taken over the, the practice. That's right. And he's investigating. Sort of like a, sort of like a standard officer. Yeah, sort of Ofsted inspector type thing. Yeah, but for vets. For vets, and just... Yeah. just Checking they're all doing the right things, and uh, but he's very much by the book. And Kenneth Williams is new agey, weird treatments don't always go down so well with him. So, the no, well, there's that lovely scene where he's about to sort of go, Now, see here, sir. And but um, Ken's hypnotizing a chicken, yeah, and then, and then suddenly you, you see Phillips go under, yes, um, exactly. And yeah, then he walks out into the hallway and lays an egg, exactly. Yeah, um, and sort of looks at the camera like, What? And then Terry Scott snatches it up, and yeah, immediately. He, eats it yeah it's quite Just disturbing it really mouth. yeah you think about what it actually means he's eating leslie phillips's egg which That's... is yeah yeah there's 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 no way you can sugarcoat that no it's horrible I, I, yeah. apparently that is something which survived from the original nigel neal screenplay oh i see yeah because that, that's the sort of body <clears throat> body horror that he went in for around this time so what you've got now is this new, this newly taken over veterinary practice mm. um, that's being run in a sort of slightly sort of odd manner by Ken Williams. This is a nice departure for Ken because yeah. he he's not. I mean, he's still officious, but he's you know he does the whole thing in a caftan and a big long wig. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, and he's really into all this new age stuff. Um, and then you've got the fact that his daughter turns up from France, bringing ra- bringing rabies, which is like pretty much the the meat of the plot. Yeah, but you've got this lovely little side plot, which is Connor and little Charlie Hawtrey, who are criminals trying to break in to the veterinary yes. because they they want to steal this very rare panda. That's right. Yes, and this is and Kenneth Connor, as I said earlier, he thinks he can talk to the animals, so he he reckons that he can persuade the panda to come with them. That's right. Just That's by, right. by speaking panda, but obviously... But there's a, there's a fun moment because obviously they, deci- they decide in typical carry-on fashion that the only way that they're going to get in is to um, disguise themselves. So they adopt the pantomime horse routine. Of course, of course. But of course then they get put into the vets and um, there's that... I mean, it, it, it was inevitable that we're going to see it. There's the inevitable hand up the backside joke. Yeah. And then you've Complete got that the lovely, whistle. Yeah, and that shot of O'Connor's eyes going... As... Um, as a hand is inserted up his anus. Yeah, and again, quite graphically done. Yeah, I mean, and then of course there's the there's the gag. The vet withdraws his hand, and he's lost his watch, which is why Kenneth Connor throughout the rest of it, you can just hear sort of you know a gentle ticking. Yeah, whenever he's on screen, it's quite subtly yeah. done, isn't it? They don't mm. refer to it. I, I wonder if they just added it in post, just as a subtle, Not entirely sure, subtle sound gag. And there's there's the because obviously they spend pretty much most of the film wandering around this, um, you know vet practice as this horse there's lots of gags about there's one of the vets who's um struggling to find a match so hawtree just puts his hand at the back of the horse's bum and gives him a match and the guy goes oh thanks exactly and then and then double take look at camera like whoa yeah it's not even a particularly um realistic pantomime horse no and yet everyone just accepts it as if it's as if it is a real thoroughbred nag yeah and towards the end of it you you find out that you know it's had its you know, essentially it's had its prostrate, you know, discovered and probed, and it's also been castrated. I know. Well, this Merci- is... Mercifully, you don't see that scene. No, you don't, but this... Uh, talking of that scene, I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but well, that that is, of course, is the first appearance of Sid James in that scene, that scene yes. near the end. 
Sid's right at the end, isn't he? As a, is he a horse trainer? Or is, is yeah, he, he's like um, a guy looking for the next... Uh, it's typical Sid James character. He's, he's like, hello, I'm looking for the for the next nag to run a... You know, to get me 15 to 1 a tip chest out. That's know, that right, yes. Guy. He's um, acting himself, sort of, really, already. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, sub, there's a tiny little subplot where poor old, poor old Connor and uh, Hawtree have to run the Grand National. I know, um, and they they intercut it. All, there's quite all done in fast forward. It is, but know. they sort of intercut it with r- real footage of the Grand National from 1960s. Quite a yeah. quite an impressive way of and, intercutting. And the, gag, the, the way they finish with them, because they, I mean, it's very throwaway. But they can't get over one of the hedges. They fall. Connor breaks his leg, and they just get shot in the paddock. Yeah. Um, you know, again, you don't see it, but you just hear that. Yeah. Well, you hear two gunshots, and it's like, yes, and it's like one for each half. Yeah, almost as if whoever was shooting them knew that it was a pantomime horse. Yes, right. and that is the last we see of them. It's quite a downbeat um, ending it for is that. Downbeat, yeah, but you know, <laughs> Sid, Sid just goes, "What a load of nags!" And exactly. Yeah, doesn't quite make sense. But no, um, and that's and that's him. That that's him gone. I mean, I mean, I think in our next foray, we pretty much we have we have Sid now for a lot longer. Exactly. I think he's <clears throat> he's in virtually all of them um, after this. There may be the odd one he's not in, but. He becomes a regular from this point on. Yes. Now, should we talk about possibly? I mean, I think we've been tiptoeing around it, but I think we need to we need to talk about it because um, uh, there's there's a very very extremely famous person that makes one very small cameo appearance in this, and that's Peter Peter Sellers, Sellers of course. Yes, his, his only carry on appearance, playing it yeah. really straight, absolutely straight as an arrow, no jokes, no, no jokes nothing. at all. It's it's a very odd choice of his to to do that because I mean it's written as a almost like a Cluzo type you know clumsy fool yeah um, but he just he's got this really sad look on his face yeah very forlorn and just sort of moping around a corridor so there's something about his kitten but that's it, well, really well what it is, is because he's an encyclopedia salesman isn't he and that's it and what it is is I think he's dropped the encyclopedias on his kitten Right, because he's clumsy and accident prone but instead of playing it for laughs it's just really really tragic well, he's crying. Exactly, and it's genuine tears as well. Yeah, he's sobbing, and um, they're trying to find where the kitten is, and he's like, you know, I think there's like, is it between K or J? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Exactly, yeah. You know, crying. So yeah. they file it under D for dead. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and is... then later on, they turn to that page, and there's a sort of cartoon squashed cat, isn't cartoon there? Cartoon 2D squashed kitten. Yeah. yeah. But it's just it's the way they the way they film it and present it is just as if it's a gritty tragedy rather than a I'm lightweight wondering, comedy. Um, obviously, this is Sellers decided that this was the way it was going to go, and I'd imagine uh, maybe I don't know if it, how how big he was for his boots back in. 60, well, I think he was getting there, wasn't he? Because he, he was, was getting there, so I think beginning to be noticed by Hollywood and stuff. There's that sense of they can't do too many takes because you know, yeah. they're on a budget, so. Peter decides on the day that he's not in the right frame of mind, so he does the whole thing very po-faced. And I know. And it's a shame because Terry Scott is also in that scene and he's trying to liven it up by gurning and doing his usual rolling of his eyes and stuff. Yeah. But Sellers just doesn't take the bait at all. He just no. well, drags it down he, again. He falls over and he injects some sort of like horse tranquilizer into Peter's you know, bottom. Peter just turns around and just goes, what on earth are you... Why yeah. did you do that? Yeah, don't do that again, please. I'm, I'm not a horse. Yeah. You know, and Terry's mm-hmm. like, oh, sorry, I, just, I you know, whoa. and Peter's not doing any reacting. No, it's like like he's in a different film. It's very isn't it? odd, very odd. Well, that's maybe why he was never in another one. No, 
So what is what? Because I could still get to the bottom of what exactly Breslau's yes. character is doing throughout the whole film because he's basically a gorilla. Basically um, a gorilla. He's languishing at the beginning. Doesn't he have his arm in plaster or something? Or is he's got his arm in plaster at one point, and then yeah. there's a joke because he's got a banana in plaster and he can't eat it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and tries he, to peel the plaster, but it tries to peel. Yeah. So and he just sits in a cage, looking very forlorn. Yeah. Um, there's a bit where he gets out and he starts beating his chest. Yeah, and then this that, which when leads all the to... animals get a bit get because um, Shirley Eaton is that sexy nurse. Yes, all the all the animals sort of fancy her, don't they? It's weird, isn't it? It's sort of slightly dodgy that she walks down the. I guess you call it a ward in a way, where all the animals yeah. are in in the various treatment beds and stuff. Yeah, and they all like wolf whistle, and he goes caw. Yeah, and the parrot goes, you know. Yeah. That sort of thing. Dog whines and puts yeah. its head on its side and sits up. And one of the horses goes, you know, that sort exactly, of thing. Yeah. And one of the snake goes like really rigid, like a sort yeah. of you know erect penis. Exactly. Yeah. That sort of thing. An ant um, even buries its head in the sand, and there's a sort of little yeah. squeak. Um, yeah. I don't know why they're treating ants, but um, it's never explained. No, never, never explained. Never um, explained. So surely, but again, none of the humans are sort of going. It's all animals this time. Yes, no one else seems to notice her until Leslie Phillips arrives, like he validates her. Yes, but she she's having none of it, because it turns no. out that he's got fleas. Um, yeah. But they, little fleas are top hats on. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> I, I think something to do with where he's staying is his lodgings or something, so she wants nothing to do with him with, with, with the fleas. And, of course, there is this rabies outbreak, which... Um, yes. Doesn't seem to affect any of the animals at all. It just seems to affect the humans. So you've got Joan Sims frothing at the mouth. Yeah, and uh, Terry Scott particularly goes overboard with yeah. the symptoms, doesn't he? He starts trying to bite people and running around on all fours. Well, there's a bit where he starts trying to eat, trying to eat himself, which is very odd. It's, it's horrible, isn't it? Trying to cut off his own fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sort of... Yeah, because he's so obsessed with meat, isn't he? It's yeah, horrible. It's really horrible. Obsessed. It is horrible, actually, yeah. Um, and you've got Hattie there, who's trying to sort of keep everything running. If, if uh, because what with the rabies and the yeah. subplot with the thieves. Um, other than that, at this point they've they've been shot. Um, um, and you've got her, and then trying to sort of put everyone, put everyone, everyone into into basically suits to keep them, you know, yes, nice, it's... nice and civil. And then you've got Ken wandering around trying to do chakra therapy to a. I know. You know to but a it's, parrot. I think there's a sort of implication that um, they don't quite follow it through, but there's an implication that her and Ken, even though they're on opposite sides of the divide as to how you should treat animals, that they're going to get together at some point. You know, that flirty, sl- almost flirty relationship they have. Well, it's funny you should mention the animal aspect because um, doesn't, um, at the end of this particular film, um, it actually, it, don't they say no animals were harmed during the making of this? And there's a printing error, or there's something. It, I, I think you know. About yes, this. Well, if you look carefully, I mean, they 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 um they only flashed out very briefly at the end, but it says yeah. it was supposed to say no animals were harmed during the you know the normal thing. Yeah. But um, there was a proofreading error apparently in when they were doing the titles. So if you look carefully, you can see it says twenty animals were harmed during the making of this of this film. That's right. Were actually harmed. They actually were, and I mean, by good fortune, seventeen of them or seventeen animals already had been harmed. Um, harmed to the point of death but that meant that three more needed to be for them to be legally um secure okay um, so gerald thomas i'd imagine had to at the end of a shoot yeah to start shooting yeah <laughs> well he, he uh, apparently he kicked a hamster that was one right. um 
he shot a donkey, I think, with a with a, yes. pea, with a pea shooter, but in the eye, really nasty. Oh God! Um, and didn't he then drop kick a terrapin into drop, a fire? Drop kick, kicked a terrapin into a fire. Um, right. He, he was about to. He was about to. Um, Eviscerate a badger, but then they realised they'd got their quota. So they got. So that was that. So that was that. But uh, yes, it's just quirks of legality, and because uh, otherwise they'd be sued that they hadn't, you know, harmed that many creatures. And um, I suppose the sort of uh, one of the more revelationary sort of aspects of uh, or plot-wise is that because Bernie has literally just ooh, 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 that's all he's done. Mm. There's a bit where Ken gets him, and they do some what what they call regression therapy. Yes. Um, but what happens is Ken does it the wrong way round, and so what happens is the gorilla evolves into Bernard Breslau. Yes, that's right. And you get a so he finally of it. becomes Bernie. Yeah, but still doesn't speak. Still doesn't speak, and obviously he's butt naked, still wanting bananas and going ooh, ooh, ooh. Yes. But it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a very interesting idea, this sort of reverse Darwinism um, idea. Um, I know. It's, yeah. Again, I think that probably comes from the Nigel Neal original storyline. Yes, there's definitely a, bod- um, a sort of body horror element that, you can, that is so Neal, isn't it? Um, it is, it really they is. then kicked around and turned it for, co- you know, for comedic pur- purposes. Well, then, then, so he breaks out, well, not breaks out, but he, he comes out of the, the treatment room, doesn't he? Yes. Breslau, still naked. You, I mean, there's very crafty camera angles, so you can't see it. Yes, there's loads of, he's always standing, there's always a, a, a strategically paced animal. Exactly. Um, so this bit where he sort of like goes to yawn and the camera goes down the midriff and his privates are obscured by a cocker spaniel exactly which I yeah presume as a joke anyway yeah um yeah and then he bends over and um that's obscured by a squirrel squirrel you know, yeah sort of yeah thing. yeah the squirrel pops up just at the right moment obviously they still have the whoop and all that yeah you know but i mean it looks like he's gonna go on the rampage and then he slips on a banana skin ironically that's right, yeah. And um, and for some reason that makes him turn back into a gorilla again. It's never yeah, quite... Yeah, it's, it's a weird jump cut, isn't it? He smashes yeah. to the floor and suddenly he's covered in hair and he's a gorilla again. It, and then Leslie Phillips sees him and goes, King Kong, as if that explains it, which it patently doesn't. No, it doesn't, does it? So, but, I mean, so it, could have been, it could have been... Uh, Something lost in the Bernard Cribbins storyline. Possibly, yes. Well, it, it was going to end with a big, with a big disco sort of thing, like a he, the, yeah. The, um, you know, the skiffle band was going to finish it. That's right. Yeah, they were going to have a party. Well, um, and all the animals were going to start joining in and playing. So you had like a monkey doing the drums, yeah, um, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, you had. Um, I think they were using a starfish, like a triangle. That's you know, right. Ding, yeah. Ding, ding, that sort of thing. There was a, a mouse on each key of the piano that would jump up and down in time. That's right, yeah. So I think that, very was elaborate. Hope, that, that was a planned ending, but they obviously they couldn't do that. So they resort to, which I, but they've done a few times now, but this is the first example of it, where you... Because th- this basically ends with a big chimp's tea party. It does. Well, what happens is, because they're all worried that Leslie Phillips is going to report them and close the whole, the whole thing down. But luckily, he dies of rabies. He dies of rabies, um, which he contracts from Shirley Eaton. That's right. Um, so they have all this sort of flirty chat about rabbits and stuff, and there's soppy music playing. That's um, right. And then it sort of gets into a bit too much detail, and they start getting medical about the various diseases that they might have, like yes. mi- myxomatosis and all that. There's a whole monologue about a cloaca that exactly, should yeah. have been cut. Well, it should have been. It's sort of trying to be suggestive, but it just ends up going into too much detail. Yes. Well, they mentioned the playboy element, you know, the bunny ears, but then it just becomes forensically detailed about a rabbit's anatomy. Exactly. And I don't quite know, I don't think this scientifically works, but um, 
all the animals that have contracted rabies mm-hmm. all decide to to bite Leslie to Phillips. Bite Leslie Phillips, so you get this. So he gets all he get, exactly where he's doing his rounds and he gets bitten by everything. You know, every single thing that's there, milking it for all he's worth. Going, ow, no law. And all that. Yes, that's right. Lummy. And for some reason, that means he ends up with all the rabies. Yeah, it all gets transferred to him somehow. No one else has got it anymore. And then but he falls into a horse trough and sort of just floats there. He floats there, yeah, and his, his eyes come out. It's horrible. So Kenneth, yeah, Kenneth Williams says, don't worry, you'll be reincarnated as a dung beetle or something dung, silly. Yeah, I think it was a dung beetle. And then he just says, this calls for a party. And suddenly it cuts to this, what is essentially a chimp's tea party, but... And then you think, ah, I know what's going to happen because there's cakes everywhere, and yeah. and you think it's going to be a custard pie fight. But actually, no. The camera pans out, and you suddenly realise they're outside. Yes, all the cast, and they they have a well. It's, there's no way to really sort of pussyfoot around it. They they have a cowpat fight. Yes, it's horrible, isn't it? And it's uh, just foul. I know it's black. And thank and thank God it's still in black and white at this stage. Well, quite. They're just picking up steaming cowpats from the field and lobbing them at each other. Shelley Eaton ends up on a bed, prone, covered in cowpats. It's almost just like covered in shit. It's, it's almost like her in Goldfinger, two years later, covered in gold. But instead of gold, it's just it's manure. Cow, cow, cow poo, yeah. And it, they did use genuine manure it, as well. Yeah, it's the actual manure, and it's weird because right next to them they've got this table groaning with cakes and, and, and I know and, and um, again this this has definitely got to have something to do with um, this this has got to be a Neil thing yes yeah 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 I think I think so I mean he, he had a very misanthropic view of humanity and stuff and that even with all the gagging up that someone did Hudis probably yes um, even with all that sometimes it shines through and, and you're right it's a surprisingly downbeat ending but Again, yeah. it could, could be because it was cut to buggery because of the Cribbins yeah. affair. And then it pretty much, you get towards the, the sort of dying embers of, the, of, of this piece and they're all covered in shit in the field. Yeah. And then suddenly Connor goes, for some reason Connor's there, which I don't understand. Yes. You, 20, 20 minutes before that, he'd been shot. That's true, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Obviously, maybe it wasn't fatal. He turns up and he, he, he goes, and out comes the watch. And he goes, I'll, I'll think this is yours. And uh, he holds it to his ear and, and says... Still going. That's right. And um, that's... and then he bends over. He goes, is there anything else up there? And then you just get him going, and you got cold hands. And then it ends. Then it, then it sort of pulls out. Well, it, 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 it's, it's weird because it, 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 it just goes into a still, doesn't it? Yes, it so goes you've into... Got, you've got Connor bent over with um, Hattie's hand off his bum. Yeah. And then going, you got cold hands. And but then it, but it becomes... just freezes. It, they freeze, and then it turns into a line drawing. Yeah. Um, and then it, all the lines gradually melt away. It's a slightly yeah. poetic ending, almost. Yeah, it's quite wistful. But I think it was, as you say, it was supposed to end with a skiffle, jolly song at the end, but they couldn't yes. use that anymore because of, the, because of the libel. Yeah. Um, so I suppose they had to salvage something. Yes, and so well they did their best. So it, it, it's a, it, I mean it is a bit of a curate's egg. Yeah, the plot the plot is thin on the ground. But here's the thing about this particular film, as we've said, it's 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 fifty one, fifty fifty two minutes long, so it minutes. really whips through very quickly. It does. It does. It doesn't outstay um, its welcome. <clears throat> no, and it's really nice to see Ken in the in the earlier in, incarnations not being an officious prude. In this one, he's quite wild and carefree with, with the long hair and the caftan. Yes, he's almost... It's a nice departure for him. It is, yeah. And the way he's dancing towards the end, you know, the chimp's tea party, he, um, he was really he was a lovely mover, wasn't he? 
He's... Yeah, he was a great mover. Um, he's doing all sorts of interesting. You know, it almost looks like at one point like he's moonwalking through the slurry. Yeah, um, then it looks incredible. It's, it almost looks like break dancing at one point because he spins on his head. I don't know if it's a special effect or not, but um... I don't know. It because it, it, he sees a cow pat and he and he, he sort of goes and then puts his head in it and does this. Yeah, does this sort of yes. head spin in, in the cow pat. But um, I don't know. Um, it's it's got some lovely little little bon mots in it. Some lovely moments. Yeah. There's a lot of setup that is never really explored. Um, yes, which that's, is that's a feature of a lot of carry on films. It can be, unfortunately. I think they find the level after a couple more. I think um, so. Yeah, yeah. The clan that... rules haven't quite been bedded in, but they they are getting there. They're getting um, there. They're getting there, and it's nice to see some of the what will now become regulars. Mm. Um, uh, it's as I say, it's nice to see Ken playing against tight. I could have done without the ten-minute poo fight because it is it's, oh, it's, it's just horrible, really. And it is horrible when you know that it's real excrement. It that really does turn your stomach. And you can see people looking, you know, blan- visibly blanching at the, the, yes. the, the stench. and the Visi- Visibly bulking at it. I think there's a shot of Hattie Jakes literally sort of scooping out a bit of from the corner of her mouth. It's horrible. It's in her it? mouth and she's like, Ugh! And I think that's a genuine take. Yeah, I think so. And it's, it's stupid because there's no need for it. There's, all the conflict has been resolved and everyone's yes. on the same page, but somehow... And you've got a huge table full of cakes that you could have yeah. picked up, but all the, the, basically the chimps and the animals are just eating that. It's just the humans fighting. Yes, that's so true, strange. actually, yeah, because you can see Vernon Breslau as the gorilla just in the background smoking a pipe and reading the paper, can't you? Yeah, he's Is got it... his feet up on a blancmange, just mm. sort of like trying to read the Times or something. That's right, yeah. yeah. He's got a little tasseled cap on. Well, there you go. Um, that was Carry On Vet. Carry On Vet, yes. It's a strange one, but um, part of the canon and enjoyable in its own way. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, is there anything that we haven't really covered? In um, Vet, I don't think so. Oh, there's a very brief appearance by um, Robert Lindsay as a boy. I don't know as if you noticed boy. that. Yeah, he's reading Lady Chatterley's Lover in the waiting room, but he doesn't, yes. have, any, doesn't have any lines. So uh, just a little bit of... Film trivia there. Film trivia, yeah, exactly. Lovely. Um, but, yeah, that's about it, really. Okay, well, it, it was absolutely brilliant to go through the third of the uh, Carry On films, Carry On Vet. Now, the next week is something very exciting because, um, well, first of all, it's the second one. They up their tempo of production because it's the second one from 1960 next episode, and it is yes. Carry On... Carry On Warden. Carry On Warden. Which is um, set entirely in a jail. Exactly, um, yes. And they actually film it in a real jail. This yeah, exactly. A- yeah, yeah. They take some of the lessons they learnt from Carry On Milkman and uh, they do it in a sort of weird verite style. Well, we'll talk about that next time. But, uh, yes, absolutely. It's, it's an important addition to the, uh, to the canon. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, by the time we get to the fourth film, Sid's very much now uh, not quite leading man territory, but he's certainly... Yes, taking up, taking up a larger role this time. Yeah, he saw it yeah. does. It starts to coalesce around him a little bit more because up to this point there hasn't been a focal actor really, and Kenneth Connor sort of was to start with. But uh, yes, it's all been a bit disparate. But now they start farming up, and yeah. they start farming up some of the roles. So Ken now will be very much to Kenneth Williams. Yes, flared nostrils and all that. He's, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. But as uh, we won't go too much into it. No. Um, I, have, I, have, I haven't seen it in a while, so I'm looking forward Me neither. to watching that. And then we're gonna. Talk again soon. Um, Brilliant. Warden. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for You're joining welcome, me. Jeremy. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you all again next time. In the meantime, carry on Stream. E- existing to it. To, to, to you. 
Bye. Bye. Bye.